Marriage seems like an easy proposition, right? A couple meets, they fall in love, they tie the knot, they live happily ever after. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, today our sermon is entitled, Marriage, Lots of Thorns. Right, last week we started a new sermon series on marriage, and we entitled that sermon, Marriage, A Bed of Roses. So today we're going to talk about some of the thorns in marriage. Yeah, two questions that we want to look at today is, why is marriage so hard? And secondly, what's the secret of marriage? In the weeks following today, as we're in this sermon series, we're going to be looking at things like communication, conflict resolution, roles within marriage, sex, sexuality, divorce, remarriage, singleness. And so we're entitling this sermon series, uh, State of Our Unions, Marriage in Process. So as we get started, I, I thought it might be interesting to start out with just some of the dumb and silly arguments that couples, spouses usually get into, arguments that we have. Uh, they go like this, uh, dishes, whose turn is it to do the dishes, or Netflix cheating. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to watch the episodes together, and yet you've gone and you've watched the entire season. Or maybe there's roommate issues like someone ate the leftovers, or someone keeps leaving empty containers in the fridge, or what about all the dirty clothes on the floor? And around this point, as a couple, if you're listening to this as a couple, you're probably just elbowing each other, pointing the finger at one another. And in my marriage, we've experienced some of these same silly and dumb arguments over little things like this. Roommate issues like proper dishwasher protocol or water glass ghosts. Here's another one. Another silly argument. Are you going to wear that on our way out for dinner? The spouse asked, are you going to wear that? I mean, there still is time if you want to change. How about one, uh, one word here? Directions. Ever get an argument about directions? Oh, the arguments. I've just had to admit in my marriage that she has an inborn GPS. I don't know where I'm going. I need help. And it's better for us to just acknowledge that she's the guru when it comes to directions. Here's another one. Where do you want to eat for dinner? The spouse asks. Doesn't matter to me. Names the place. Oh, not that place. What are you thinking? <laughs> or what about toilet paper? The silly arguments about toilet paper. You know, the only right way to unroll the TP is to do it under the roll. No, it's over the roll. Or toothpaste usage. Are you a roller? Are you a squeezer? Or here's a comment. On your way home from work, honey, can you pick up some potatoes? Comes home with two potatoes. Responds, you bought Two potatoes? 
I said some potatoes, not two. Why is marriage hard? That's our first question. Why is marriage so hard? I want you to picture your marriage or perhaps an upcoming marriage or perhaps if you dream of being married, I want you to envision married, marriage as a field, a beautiful field full of flowers, full of rolling hills, beautiful sunshine that's out, cool breezes that are blowing, and you're just walking hand in hand. You, this, this woman uh, with this man, just walking hand in hand there together. Welcome to the fields of marriage. Uh, but before long, you get scratched by some briars or some thorns. They just scratch you right on the ankle or right on the leg. Or perhaps not too long into marriage, you step into manure and it stinks. There's weaknesses, there's sins, there's flaws, there's annoying habits. You try to forgive, you try to let go of some of these things, but these things can begin to dominate the relationship. Now there's stats that prove that marriage is hard. Current divorce rate is almost 50%. So divorce can happen and divorce is warranted and we're going to get to that um, some weeks from now when we talk specifically about divorce. But sometimes it is warranted and it is necessary when there's danger in the marriage like physical or emotional abuse or when there's abandonment or when there's infidelity. Well, today I want to mention four reasons why marriage is hard. And there are uh, endless lists of reasons why marriage is hard. But today I want to focus on four reasons why marriage is hard. And then we're going to also talk about nine reasons or nine secrets of marriage. And that's going to really help you in your marriage. Reason number one why marriage is hard is because of unrealistic expectations. I'm going to quote Stanley Arawas, professor at Duke University, regarding these unrealistic expectations we have in marriage. And he says, the assumption is that there's someone just right out there for you to marry. And if you look closely enough, you'll find that just right person. This assumption overlooks a crucial aspect of marriage. He says, it fails to appreciate the fact that you'll always marry the wrong person. We never know whom to marry. We just think we do. Or even if we first marry the right person, just give it a while and he or she will change. For marriage being the enormous thing that it is means you're not the same person after you've entered it. Wow, we have unrealistic expectations about marriage. We have unrealistic expectations about marriage, including we want to marry someone who makes me look good and makes me feel good. Wow, what a, almost a selfish reason that some of us have about even wanting to be married. Uh, we have an unreal expectation because we're looking for someone who is low maintenance all the time. We're, 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 you know, someone that you're going to have all this chemistry with all the time. 
Someone who doesn't find anything wrong with you. <laughs> and someone that you don't find anything wrong with. LOL. And someone with whom you think you'll just constantly be jumping in the bed with to have sex with all the time. And someone with whom you think you'll just constantly be sitting by the romantic um, fireplace with all the time. I mean, all this pressure, all this pressure that contemporary culture places on us and we place on ourselves. Pressure to find a soulmate. Pressure to find instant gratification. Instant satisfaction. Instant fulfillment of our desires. Wow, so much pressure. More pressure than the Bible actually puts on marriage. 1 John Chapter 4, verse 16, there in the New Testament says, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us, because God is love. See, our expectations of marriage are misguided because we, we lack a truer understanding of God's true love. And so our very first point here is, is just to say that without a deeply fulfilling love relationship with Jesus Christ, now and the hope of a perfect love relationship with Christ in the future, when Christ returns, people are going to put too much pressure on marriage. You're going to put too much. I'm going to put too much pressure on marriage. No wonder marriages leaves some people trapped between unrealistic expectations and longings for marriage or terrible fears about marriage, being in a state of oppression and hopelessness. And so a takeaway here on this point is that we shouldn't be overly elated about being married. We shouldn't be overly disappointed about not being married. Our expectations about marriage has to be guided by God's love for us. Why is marriage hard? Second reason is because it unites two strangers. Wait a minute, I thought I was marrying someone that I knew. Well, you've heard this perhaps in a marriage counseling appointment or you've heard it from a friend or perhaps your spouse uh, has said before, I married the wrong person. And that's because we're not truly self-aware. We lack emotional intelligence, not only to not know that person, but we lack self-awareness to know ourselves. Certain doctors will tell you that the human brain is still developing all the way until a person is in their mid-20s. People are very different. People are still being developed in their minds and in their emotions and in their spirit. They, they have a different personality than you do. They have a different story than you do. They have a, perhaps a different culture than you do. They have different love languages than you do. They're different desires than you have. You have a different family of origin than your spouse has. You're two totally different strangers. And so the very thing that you thought was cute 
about your spouse. And you know what I'm talking about. That very thing that you thought, oh, this person is so cute. I love that about him. It doesn't take long in marriage that that same thing that you thought was cute begins to annoy you. It begins to annoy you. And so sometimes when you first fall in love, you you think that you love this person. You feel like you love this person, but perhaps you don't really because you don't really know them yet. You can't know the person right away. This is just going to take time. It takes years. You might actually just love the idea of the person, which is one-dimensional. And then in marriage... And the longer the marriage goes on, one quickly and hopefully quickly begins to learn that you're brought into a more intense proximity to another human being than in any other relationship. Therefore, Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus said, love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. See, loving your neighbor... Jesus is assuming that in loving your neighbor, there is a certain element of self-love that's got to come first. You need to know yourself. You need to love this self that you're getting to know so that you can, by loving God and loving yourself, you can love your neighbor, love your spouse. And so marriage is hard because we don't truly know the person that we're married to. And we don't truly know ourselves. The third reason why marriage is hard is because of life. It's just hard. It's just hard. There's stress that you're going through, that every person in marriage is going through, even apart from the marriage. Just individually you're going through stress. There's the strain of jobs, children, which are a tremendous blessing that come into the marriage, also bring stress. There's personality differences. There's cultural differences. There's also medical and mental health problems that just makes life hard. And that's going to put a certain level of pressure and weight on the marriage. There's crises and tragedies that you're going to go through and that you and your spouse are going to go through that's going to make the marriage difficult. Because it just is. Life is very, very difficult. Jesus says, in this life, I give you peace. Because in this life, there will be troubles. The fourth reason that marriage is hard is because we're sinners. This is a Christian view of marriage, meaning, um, and by the way, that, that may sound very partisan whenever we say the Christian view of marriage. And by the way, We all have a worldview when we're talking about marriage. So all views of marriage are very partisan. So the Christian view of marriage is simply just using the Bible as a template for how marriage is supposed to be. And so uh, according to the Bible, we are sinners. Genesis chapter 2, we looked at this last week, this marriage bed of roses that God had created male and female. He brought them together in this wonderful uh, institution, this this relationship called marriage. That's chapter 2, Genesis. Well, in chapter 3, just one short chapter later, sin enters the world and totally damages 
that marriage relationship. Sin enters the world, and marriage is no longer a bed of roses. See, there's no two people that are perfectly compatible. It's just impossible because we're sinners. Everyone is fundamentally incompatible. Yes, we learn compatibility. Yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ helps us grow in being more compatible. But because we're two sinners entering into this marriage, the marriage is going to be full of sin. Tim Keller, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, he says, marriage is for two flawed people coming together to create a space of stability, love, and consolation, a haven in a heartless world. See, we're we're both. We're both coming into marriage with all of our flaws, whether you realize that or not, whether you even knew about some of those flaws or not. You are bringing them with you. They come right on into the marriage. And so if you have a you know, if, if there's this fearful person that comes into marriage, they're, they're going to have a tendency towards anxiety in the marriage. If you have a proud person coming into marriage, they're, they're going to lean towards being selfish in the marriage. If you, have, if you have an inflexible person coming into marriage, there's going to be a tendency to be demanding within that relationship. Or if you have an undisciplined person coming into the marriage, there's there's going to be a tendency to be unreliable, too spontaneous. Or if there are perfectionistic tendencies that one spouse has, they're going to lean towards having a critical spirit within marriage. Or if you have a cowardly person coming into marriage, there's going to be a tendency to twist the truth. We all come into marriage with just stuff, sinful stuff, character traits, habits that we're bringing with us. It brings out in you all of those things that were there all along, (laughs) but they were hidden. Yeah, they were hidden. Now, all of a sudden in marriage, marriage is like this mirror. You begin to get confronted in marriage with you. Yeah, marriage doesn't necessarily confront you, but marriage confronts you with you. Marriage acts as a mirror, and there's no other human relationship that acts like this mirror, like marriage does. Your friends, your parents, perhaps told you about these weaknesses, these flaws, this sin in your life, but you didn't believe them. (laughs) You didn't want to listen to them. Your flaws have never really sunk in, and now these flaws, these sins, are creating huge problems in your marriage. And that's because in marriage you're exposed. The masks, the masks are being uh, peeled off, and you're being fully known and truly known for who you are. Years go on, and you find more and more that you're a sinner, more of a sinner than what you first realized. That's that's what's making marriage, and marriage is hard. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get on to some of the secrets of marriage, Uh, the secrets of marriage to encourage us. Yeah, that, 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 that short list there of four reasons why marriage is hard 
is, is now going to catapult us into this last section here about the secrets of marriage. The secrets of marriage that God wants to give to us, to encourage us in our marriages. I've got nine here, nine. There are lots more that we're going to be covering in this marriage sermon series, but here are nine. The very first secret of marriage is that it's not about your marriage. Let me repeat it. The first secret about marriage is that it's not about your marriage. Let me explain. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. See, some things in marriage, it's not even about your marriage. You don't need marriage counseling, per se, to figure out some things that it's not even about the marriage. Wisdom. Wisdom is realizing that sometimes that big, hard problem in your marriage has nothing to do with your marriage. It has something to do with a problem that took place at work. And perhaps you're frustrated about some interaction you had with someone on your team or your boss and that's frustrating you so much that you're bringing that home and you're taking it out on your spouse. It has nothing to do with your spouse and nothing to do with the marriage. I remember in my marriage, uh, Caroline at one point being very unhappy with me at one point in our marriage and then realizing that her thyroid was really low. Yeah, thyroid function and other medical health has a lot to do with how well your marriage is going. Sometimes that deep frustration, that pain is unresolved trauma that you've experienced somewhere else way before you ever got married. And that's some sort of personal counseling that you need. Some healing, some restoration that you need to go through, some therapy that, that, that would bring help to you regarding that trauma. And so in that sense, it has nothing to do with the marriage or your spouse. What's the secret of marriage? The second uh, secret of marriage is it's not about being right. <laughs> it's not about being right. And you may just love having the last word in your marriage, especially if your opinion is better. Especially if you are indeed right. Some people love arguing. Some people are really good at arguing. Again, those dumb arguments that couples get into. Some of those we talked about and discussed at the very top of this very talk. They're just silly and dumb. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 19, there in the Old Testament says, Whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. Whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. Marriage is not about being right. Marriage is about learning mutual respect, learning how to listen to one another. Wisdom and maturity is when we stop trying to convince our spouse that our way is the right way. Our way is the only way to do it. Marriage is more about compromise. It's more about negotiation. Now listen to what Psalm 141 verse 3 says. 
Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That needs to become the prayer for some of us right there. Lord, guard my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because it's not about being right. What's the secret of marriage? The third secret is to commit to a process that evolves over time. Marriage requires us to change. People change. You change. You're going to be changing. Your spouse is going to be changing over time. Like when you first become parents and you're not going to get as much sleep as you used to get. Your date night is going to look a little bit different than it used to look. And growth and healing and maturity has this secret ingredient to it. And it's called time. It just takes time. It's a process. Listen to Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Wait patiently. That's because marriage, you've got to commit to letting it evolve over time. It's it's truly like a wine that needs time. It just needs time. Now, I don't know about you, but waiting is incredibly difficult. I hate waiting for subways. I hate waiting for public transportation. (laughs) I hate waiting for planes. I hate um, waiting for someone else to finish a sentence. Uh, like, Like most people or San Franciscans, I'm already finishing their sentence for them. And so many people who hurry into divorce actually regret divorcing. And many admit that they're not necessarily more happy now than they used to be. The point here is that marriage is a process that's going to evolve over time. And so you need to wait patiently on the Lord. What's the secret of marriage? Number four is choosing to learn to love your spouse. This person looks and feels like a stranger, we mentioned earlier. Yet the Christian response is based on the biblical teaching of sin. Uh, You're informed about this. So instead of being shocked that this person is a sinner, shocked that at times they get angry, shocked that at times they're incredibly self-centered, you begin to know that about them. You begin to expect it. It's going to be there. We said it. The, the, fields of marriage is, the field of marriage is not just this beautiful, uh, sunshiny, cool breeze blowing, but there's manure in that field. There are thorns in that field. But choosing to learn to love your spouse is, is a vow. It's a vow. Remember uh, last week we talked about covenant. It's a, pro- it's a future promise. It's not just the promise you make when you took that vow when you got married to love that person then in that moment. But it's a promise to continue loving them. It's a choice. Right? You learn to like them. You choose to like them. You're choosing to learn to love them. You're choosing to learn to lust after them, to have sexual desire for them. You honor your vow, especially in those moments 
when we might say, we've grown apart. Oh, you just don't understand. We, we've, we've just grown apart. We're just not in love anymore. I'm just not feeling it anymore. He or she, they just don't make me feel the way that I used to feel, the way that I deserve to be, uh, the, way, the way that I deserve to feel. We're not sexually attracted to each other anymore. You know what? They don't really get me. They don't really understand me. John chapter 15, verse 12, Jesus says, love one another. That means that love is a choice. Fulfill your vow. Fulfill your promise. Learn to love one another as I have loved you, Jesus says. See, Christian marriage is that we are forced to change. Our natural instincts, we're forced to change those natural instincts, to bridle some of those passions, to learn self-denial so that we can love this other person so that we can serve one another. A Christian marriage means commitment and priority in response to the covenant in the midst of it being incredibly challenging. Christian marriage means be reliable. Be reliable. Be a spouse that does what you say you're going to do. Commit to what you really can do and then follow through. Have their back. Be there for them. What's the secret of marriage? The fifth thing here is to grow in practical skills. Right, there's just some practical skills that some of us, in fact, all of us, we just need to grow in. Don't over-spiritualize it. Don't take it personal, but it is just practical skills that you need to grow in, such as just learn to wash the dishes. Just practically learn to wash the dishes. It doesn't have to become some big deal. You just need to grow in some practical skills. Maybe it's like you need to learn how to speak more directly or more clearly in your marriage. Or you need to be able to give plans where you're going or what the goals are. And we're going to get to more of that as we talk about communication in the weeks following. What is the secret for marriage? Number six is grow emotionally. Grow emotionally. What that means is that you need to learn that it is important to your spouse that you do wash the dishes. <laughs> That's how you can grow emotionally. Learn that it's important to them. Value it because they value it. That's what it means to be emotionally mature. And perhaps you've had this big blowout with your spouse and it actually had nothing to do with her, but you were still feeling bad from your supervisor who chewed you out and made you angry and you've simply taken it out on them. Grow up emotionally. Learn to connect emotionally. Learn enough about yourself so that you know what you're thinking and feeling. Connect with God in such a way so that your emotional intelligence is growing so that you can connect with your spouse in that same way. What's the secret of marriage? Number seven is grow spiritually. Grow spiritually. That that means... 
You know how in restaurants here in San Francisco or grocery stores here in San Francisco that we are are told to put on a mask. Yeah, we're, we're in a pandemic right now, so put on a mask before you're even able to enter the door. And we do that out of respect for everyone. We're doing that as a way to love one another. Well, in the same way of marriage, put on humility. Put on humility every time you're about to walk through that door called home. Every time you're going into that door called a conversation with your spouse. Put on humility. That's what it means to grow spiritually. Putting mutually, putting on humility together. Can you imagine how your marriage would change? If we just put on humility. See, marriage is a place to check your selfishness at the door. Just check it right there. Leave it right there. It's not welcome in here. It won't help either one of us. That's why Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. See, once again, it's not about being right. It's, it's, it's trying to de-escalate moments of tension. Now, trust me, it's going to try its best to get out of hand. But trying to to de-escalate those moments. You know, such as things like, don't ever say, you always do that. If your spouse does or says something that hurts you or has harmed you or is sinful towards you, you need to name that specifically without saying, you always do that or you always say that. Those are inflammatory words. Growing spiritually means to be mutually repenting together. That's how growth happens in the marriage, is you and your spouse should be racing one another, racing one another to see who's going to say, I'm sorry, first. Who's going to be repenting first? It takes repentance. See, the most successful marriages are the ones that are constantly saying, I'm sorry. It's those that repent the quickest, those that repent the most frequent and the deepest. They constantly are forgiving one another. Those are the successful marriages. Best friends, so that there's trust. You know, like the trust you give a surgeon who's going to cut you somewhere so that there's going to eventually be healing and change that takes place. That's how you entrust a friend or a spouse. Years go on in the marriage and respect. Respect is built. Years go on and, and, and more repenting happens in the marriage. There's more loving that happens in the marriage. Change happens in the marriage. Showing grace to one another in the marriage. Slowly love grows and you admire this person more than you've ever admired them before. Because you see how much they're going through on behalf of you. You see how much patience they're actually giving you and that you need. You see what a mess you are to live with, spiritually and emotionally speaking, and, and how much they love you in spite of that. It's so wonderful how this is working itself out in marriage. 
What's another secret of marriage? Learning to find love from the true source. The true source. Where, I mean, where do you get the power? Where is the source to keep loving when it gets hard? I mean, where is the source to keep forgiving when you find out that this person is nothing like you thought they would be? When you realize that you're capable of this kind of anger, you never knew that about yourself until marriage. You're, you're capable of this kind of lying. That marriage is, is somehow bringing out the worst in you. Where is the source of that kind of, 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 kind of power? If we look to the marriage itself to find that, God-sized vacuum in our soul, we will not be in a position to love one another. We will be on empty, trying to, to give love to one another. We, we, we have to have another source. See, we have choices in marriage. We say, oh, oh, you, you, you are not being the spouse. You're not being the spouse you're supposed to be, so I'll not be the spouse that I'm supposed to be. And that sounds like justice, but it's actually revenge in the marriage. So you've got to have a source coming from somewhere that's so much deeper than yourself, so much deeper than the marriage. And that's why we, we turn to Jesus. That's why we turn to Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 in the New Testament uh, tells us to love one another as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's the fuel in marriage that makes it possible, makes it possible for you to get through those hard times. See, Jesus Christ on the cross saw us betraying him, saw us spitting on him, beating him, ridiculing him, mocking him, yet Jesus out of love that deep source of love that he was getting from God the Father. Jesus, in response to all the ways that we were treating him, he stayed on the cross. He continues to love us. He continues to be merciful and patient and gracious. And see, in marriage, when we see what Christ has done for us, we can say to our spouse, I see you. I see that you've hurt me. And it really did hurt. But I can forgive you. I can forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. Jesus Christ has given us the power of grace to make this marriage strong. Let's walk hand in hand together. Let's do that, relying on this source of love that he gives us. What's the secret of marriage? I'm going to end with this last one, number nine is hope. Hope is the secret of marriage. Hope is the secret of marriage. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus said, with God all things are possible. Hope says, believing that with God nothing is impossible. See, there's something in my marriage, you may be saying, that looks so impossible. There's something in my marriage like this other person. It looks like they're never going to change. It looks like our communication's never going to change. It looks like our sex life is never going to change. Our finances are never going to change. You've got to remember that the secret of marriage is hope. 
is hope that God can make something out of nothing. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible that said God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created. See, there was nothing. And God brought something into nothingness. Or Ephesians, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Think about the very resurrection of Jesus himself, that Jesus died, and it looked impossible. But see, with God, all things are possible. From death comes life. From death in those areas that where you, that you, you really long to see change in that area. You know that feeling. You know that feeling where you say, God, you just got to do something. I just need a breakthrough. I have hope, though. I have hope that, God, you can. We don't have a promise that God will change everything, but hope means that we believe that God can change. The Christian idea is having hope that God, with God, all things are possible. So, so that we can say to our spouse, I, I believe God is changing you. I see it. I see it and I'm, and I'm, I'm excited to see who God is, is making you. And I'm falling more and more in love with you because God is changing you. See, in conclusion, marriage is a picture of the relationship that God has with his people. And that God is in the worst marriage of all of human history being married to us because we have given God the marriage from hell. We really have. Yet God continues to be faithful. God continues to be committed, loving, and forgiving to us. And so our marriage to God is the surest foundation for our marriages for one another. Let's look to him as the secret. Let's do so right now as we turn to him, believing, having hope in God's ability to bring change. Let's pray for it right now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray right now, trusting you, grow these relationships. Give life, give healing, give resurrection to marriages that are suffering and that are wounded, do something amazing in these relationships. For those of us who aren't married yet, keep us from looking for someone who is perfect because that person does not exist. Help us be looking for someone whom you are changing. Father, we believe that all things are possible for you, O oh God. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.